Hello, hello. Welcome to Future First Softball Second. I'm Quincy, your podcast host and owner of Diamond Dynamics Softball. I am a former D1, D2, and D3 college coach, education and athletic administration major, and D2 pitcher. Our goal at Diamond Dynamics is to support families and athletes with college planning as they work to truly find their best fit athletically, academically, financially, and emotionally at the next level. We've worked with hundreds of families across the country through our individual group and team programming, and I'm so happy you're a part of our community too. Check out the show notes for ways to connect with us and learn from us, and I'd love to hear from you if you have any questions after listening to this episode. I am so excited to be here with Sarah, who owns Elevation and Success and is a mental performance coach. So Sarah, thank you for being here with us today and chatting with everyone. Of course, I'm so excited. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do working with athletes? Yeah, absolutely. So my journey actually happened during COVID, which is kind of cliche because I feel like a lot of people said that. Um, but realistically, I was a pitching coach forever, honestly. When I'm talking about like a decade long, I'm like, holy smokes, that was a really long time ago. But since 2012, I've been a pitching coach. Honestly, working with the girls and seeing how they just needed extra support that I didn't wasn't equipped to give and their coaches couldn't didn't have the time to provide it really inspired me to kind of make the jump honestly it started really as a pipe dream and then COVID happened and I left my career and I was like you know what I'm doing this full time and here we are it's truly my passion I'm a coach 2.0 I suppose because I do pitching instruction but I'm also um, a performance coach so I spend so much time with athletes but realistically, what I do, um, I just help an, like any athlete really develop the tools needed for success in and out of their sport. Uh, interestingly enough, you know, I work with athletes, but a lot of times we spend a lot of time talking about the stuff that happens out of their sport. Absolutely. And I think it's funny that you mentioned COVID because that's how I came into running Diamond Dynamics as well. And I think it's awesome that you and I can kind of be models to, to our athletes of like, hey, COVID was really, really hard but we came out of it as, you know, better people and grew businesses. And what are you going to do with your time during COVID to be a better version of yourself? So I've been doing a lot of talking with our athletes about high school season coming up. And for some of them, that's a really exciting time. But for a lot of them, they really struggle with high school season, whether it's a philosophy difference with a coach, whether it's, you know, teammates who have different goals than they do or might not take it as seriously as those top level travel ball athletes looking to get recruited. You know, it might be they're at a, a really small school where their team struggles overall. What tips do you have for those athletes as far as going into high school season and keeping that positive mindset, even though it might not be the ideal situation for them? Ooh, where to begin? I mean, when you're saying all of those things, it's just a reminder that a lot of athletes don't have control over their situation. They're minors, so they also don't have a lot of control regardless. However, in those moments, I encourage them to really focus on what they do have control over. Um, and when it comes to a positive mindset, I am a big advocate for needing constant work, you know, we spend so much time as athletes and I say we because I refuse to let go of, of being an athlete. Um, but us as athletes, you know, we constantly work at our skill. We're doing drills. We're practicing. It's interesting how many athletes I talk to who 
don't really do any mental training or really don't do any, um, I call them mental drills, just a fancy word, I suppose, for things like affirmations or journaling or workbooks or reading, anything of the sort. However, a lot of them really don't have a trained mind. So I would encourage them to do that in whatever form that works best for them. You know, sometimes people can just take a course online or work with a coach like me or even just read a book and it kind of inspires them to know more, I guess, in a sense, because when you know more, you feel more equipped, just like it is in athletics. Absolutely. So what do you see some of your high school athletes struggling with? I know you work with a lot of athletes that aren't softball players, but just in general, what are some of the things they struggle with and how do they get through that? I'm going to be honest, the biggest thing that I see my high school athletes struggling with is their system. And we've talked about this with your your babes and your course, but honestly, your system is just basically your routine and the resources you utilize to go through your day-to-day or just a complete a task, whatever that looks like. It could be different. Um, however, a lot of them don't, and that can sound just, that can just be like having a calendar that's not your parent or... Um, practicing at a certain time or realistically having a stress management and self-care routine. I cannot emphasize how many times I've talked to an athlete that uh, their stress management is like not the best. I don't want to call anybody out, but um, <laughs> I think that's the big thing, honestly, is just making sure that they have a system in place because my biggest my biggest point to them is, you know, one day, hopefully, you know, you're going to go into the next step of your life. And if that's college, you could potentially be very far away from your your parents or your guardians. And if you rely on them to tell you where you're going, when you're doing it, it's going to be very shocking when they get to the next step of their life. So it's always better to start earlier and start to feel empowered. Absolutely. And I don't think athletes realize how important those skills really are. So we had one of our uh, junior athletes was on a Zoom call with a college coach a few weeks ago, and he called me up afterwards and was like, Quincy, she introduced her parents. Like, I've done 100 Zoom calls this fall, and she's the only one that, like, answered the Zoom call, said hello, and said, hey, this is my mom and dad. Their names are this. Like, they're really excited to chat with you as well. And that coach was, like, mind blown that she at at 16 years old knew how to do that. And so much of what we're trying to do in our program is not only grow amazing young women, but prepare them to have those conversations and be confident having those conversations. And that's where I love what you do and the support you provide athletes, because that really empowers them to have a little bit more of that confidence moving forward. Yeah. And you kind of just hit it on the head, right? The empowerment aspect of it. When athletes start to take control and I don't mean control as in like a, a negative way, like a control freak, but when they start to feel like they have control over their environment and what they're doing, it really does empower them to feel like an actual human and not just like a child who's being told where to go, when to go, Absolutely. kind of like a little robot, I guess. <laughs> I love the idea of empowering young women to make sure that self-care isn't the first thing that they get rid of when they get overwhelmed. Mm. Yeah, like A lot of our athletes right now are in this mode of, I'm really busy. Open gyms are starting. Travel ball practice is still going on. I'm trying to get recruited and write emails and be on top of everything. I might also be a multi-sport athlete. And the first thing they throw out the window is that time they spend for themselves to reset and kind of refresh life. And I know you've talked with our athletes a ton about how important that time really is. Yeah. 
it's like this ugly cycle um, because when they do get rid of the self-care, you know, then they get even more tired and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm falling behind or they're saying I'm not enough. So then they're like, okay, I have to do more. And it's real like, and it's just kind of just spirals. But honestly, if they were just to take a little bit of time each, maybe each day or each week to make sure that they have something planned. Um, and I say planned because self-care, especially in these times when they're really busy, should be scheduled because if it doesn't get scheduled, it's never going to get scheduled. When they have that and they have that time to recharge, then it's really allowing them to perhaps like propel them forward. They need rest. Rest is non-negotiable. And I want to be honest, rest is not sleeping. That's sleeping. Rest is actual time off from their sport or academics or, you know, there's days where I make sure my athletes don't even talk about their sport because it's too much. It's unhealthy. Absolutely. So can you give some examples of, you know, those small self-care things that athletes can be doing? I think sometimes we think of self-care and we think of like, oh, I'm going to go spend $75 on a two hour massage. I'm going to take a whole day and go shopping and spend a bunch of money. And we don't always connect self-care with those small things that we can do on a daily basis. They're not crazy different from the average person. There are some other ones. I mean, they're athletes, so they're working their body a lot more than the average person. So they need to make sure that their nutrition is up to par um, and that it's well balanced and that they're hydrating and they're getting sleep. But I think a lot of my favorite one, I guess I should say, um, is going to be going back and reviewing their recent successes. And I say that because you spend a lot of time around high-performing athletes and I, I do as well. So they're always looking forward. They're always looking to see how they can get better. And honestly, and it's just like the concept of rest, right? When we take that second to sit back and just relax, it's like, ooh, same thing with looking back at their successes. When they're able to look back and say, oh my God, like I... A month ago, I wasn't able to, to do this or lift this amount, or I wasn't pitching at this uh, speed or whatever it is, you know, um, with me being a pitching coach, I also, all of our kids have journals. So if one of my athletes is having a hard time, I make them go back and look at where they were, like, I don't know, a couple months ago and be like, dude, we don't even talk about this anymore. It's because you've been doing so much work behind the scenes, but sometimes, you know, they need that little reminder. But yeah, I think that's my favorite one outside of the days that I make my athletes don't even like they're not even allowed to talk about sports. That's another good one. That's awesome for sure. And that's not something that most athletes are going to consider self-care at all. No. You know, but both of those are great examples of like celebrate my successes and also give myself a break to think about something else. As much as I love like a what like $7 Starbucks coffee and it does have a time and a place I do think the ones that are a little bit more heavy hitting are the ones like going back and looking at your recent successes and stuff I'll never say no to Starbucks so that's my self-care sometimes <laughs> you and me both my yeah. wallet loves Dunkin but my heart loves Starbucks <laughs> yeah true so how can we help athletes as they go into high school season they're practicing six days a week a lot of our athletes are still practicing with their travel ball team on Sundays which I think is crazy, but so they're really practicing seven days a week and playing. How do we avoid the overwhelm and that constant nagging feeling of I'm behind, I'm behind athletically, I'm behind academically. How do I catch up before the end of the semester in June? So I think the way that we can help is just by checking in. Um, I'm going to be honest, I'm an adult. I'm in my 30s. I sometimes have a hard time remembering to 
check in with myself and um oh just like check in on my symptoms and I say symptoms because I make a lot of my athletes write a symptom list of stress so they know what to look out for I mean we're talking about young kids and at the end of the day while yes they are high performing athletes they're children and they're going to have a hard time understanding what they're going through a lot of them are going through some really stressful things for the first time in their entire life so the the system isn't what symptom list is going to be helpful for them because it helps them keep track of what's going on. Like, Ooh, yeah. Like I am, you know, I, I am a little snippy today with mom and dad. Maybe I am feeling a little stressed. It's just for them to know what to look out for. Oftentimes they don't realize they're stressed until they're so far gone. Like they're just like breaking down, sobbing, not saying there's anything wrong with that, but if we can help them get to it and notice it faster, I would say that that's a win, a huge win. It sounds so similar to like how we teach kids how to study of like, you have to teach them like, Hey, this is my list and these are my triggers. And like, I have a lot of athletes where they can't study for more than 15 minutes at a time and they have to take a two or three minute break. And they Mm -hmm. think that's so abnormal. And I'm like, wait, time out, pump the brakes. That is very normal you know, and getting them to understand that just because they have to do something a certain way to be successful that somebody else might not do doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. And, you know, a little bit of comparison at that age, they're not equipped with somebody like you or I, or just like somebody in their life that's like, oh no, that's completely normal. Like, or the way you're doing it is completely fine. They often look left and right at other people, or they look at unrealistic expectations. You know, I have some high school kids that are like idolizing college athletes, which I love, but I'm just like that you're not there yet. Like you can't be looking at that stuff. So just kind of keeping them grounded, I guess, mentally in a sense is a huge win that parents and loved ones and siblings and coaches can really focus on. For sure. So I want to change gears a little bit. So we talked a little bit about that self-confidence earlier. So Mm -hmm. how can athletes grow their own self-confidence and their own self-validation when maybe they're getting into a high school season where they're not getting the playing time, they're not getting the individualized coaching that they want, you know, and it's just not an experience where they feel like other people have confidence in them. That's a hard one. Um, Because I used to be that kid. So I'm just like going back. However, I currently am working with a D1 field hockey player. And she was in the thick of that, like thick of it. She was hyper fixated on all the external validations um, from her coaches, from her peers. She had that like crippling perfectionism. Confidence was non-existent. And now the other day I had a meeting with her and I was crying because she is so happy and she's so different and she's still playing. She's playing better than she was. But I would say, you know, be ready to do the hard work. Again, these athletes have done so much hard work to get to the level that they're at. Confidence and mindset and stress management, all of it just still continuously needs to be worked at. So I would say journaling. When I say checking in, I mean checking in. Like I am a huge advocate for taking time, journaling, reflecting. Prompts are great. Um, I have a lot of my athletes do prompts because free writing can be a little overwhelming, but really focusing on checking in with yourself, seeing what you want. I mean, the sports world is so wrapped up in worth based on performance. It's 
my least favorite part about uh, athletics, I will be honest, but making sure that their worth is coming from them. There's going to be so many people in the world that just aren't your people or make you feel a certain way, but it's really, really important for me to make sure athletes are the holder of their confidence and their worth. Like they are the ones that get to decide whether they're worthy or not and not a coach or any other person in their life. Absolutely. And I think we forget that, yes, these are high level athletes, but we're also still human beings too. And you're allowed to have off days and you're allowed to struggle. And that's just going to make you that much better of an athlete and of a human being. And I can think of MLB players and professional softball players that are dropping fly balls that pop out of their glove. And if they can do it and make millions, why can't you do it in high school and it be okay? And just that self-validation of like, okay, yep, rough day. Not good. Mm -hmm. I'm moving on. Tomorrow's going to be a better day. Things like that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, lean into those bad days because honestly, when you make them like when you make it through that day, when you get to the other end and you have a better day the next day, you're building that evidence that you can make it through really difficult things. And being an being a human is difficult. Being an athlete is also very difficult. So I think when they have that resilience and then the evidence that they can do it, it's naturally going to help build their their confidence for sure because when we talk about confidence it's it's really self-esteem plus evidence is your confidence so when we can really lean into the evidence aspect and really continuously work at that self-esteem by like journaling or doing affirmations anything that's really going to help you connect more to yourself then uh they're really going to be set up but again they have to want to do the hard work and if they're working with you or if you know they're they're playing out um with their teams every weekend they're not adverse I guess to hard work like they actively do it yeah that makes sense so I have a lot of athletes right now where they have you know coaches people in their lives that are telling them you know kind of the old cliche fake it till you make it like how do you feel about that I'll be honest I don't hate it as long as it doesn't stem from shame I just don't want them to lean into the fact that I'm not this but I have to pretend to be like so-and-so or I have to pretend to be like this person. I don't hate the concept. I would prefer that instead of fake it till you make it, that they're just actively trying to get better each day. So one of the big things that I have my athletes do is, is think about who you want to be, right? Or so if you want to be a high-performing athlete, Think about what that takes. What does that person do on a day-to-day basis? And start making sure you're implementing those things into your system. Um, I guess in a sense, you could say that that's kind of fake it so you make it, but it's really, it go, comes down to hard work again. Absolutely. It's funny. Um, one of my coaches, because even as a grown-up, I still have coaches in my life. I met with her a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things she had me do was sit on a Zoom call and close my eyes and literally spit out what the person I want to be in a year would look like. Mm. Like, what do I wear? What do I do on a daily basis? Who am I? What do I value? Who are my friends? What do they look like? You know, are they like me? Are they motivated? And I thought it was the coolest exercise to just sit there and be like, not compare myself to another person or compare myself to a celebrity or another coach, but sit there and compare, okay, who do I want to be in a year? Because that's really still comparing to myself and where I'm at, but I'm also growing and trying to grow into that person. 
which was such a cool experience as you know, a late twenties. I can't wait to do it with more of our high school athletes this year too. Yeah. You're out here manifesting Quincy. <laughs> Trying to. <laughs> yeah. So I'll change gears on you again a little bit. So Great. we talk with families a lot about whether or not they even want to play high school softball for a multitude of reasons. And my big thing with that is, well, a lot of college coaches value your experience in high school because it's it kind of mirrors the college experience a little bit you have a conference schedule you have playoffs you know you're playing with people that you didn't get to choose to play with whereas travel ball you kind of get to pick your people more and you can switch teams and all of that and there are a lot of athletes who are really choosing not to play which you know is their choice and for better or for worse that's going to impact their college journey so we hear a lot of times that athletes are choosing not to play because of an abusive coach or a tough situation or whatever it is. What are some of the differences between that so-called abusive coach and a coach who's holding athletes accountable and creating a competitive team culture? Yeah, I think when it comes down to it, a coach should always, everything that they do, everything that they say, it should be dwindled down to the betterment of any player or the team, right? So I think if that's not happening, it's definitely a red flag, um, you know, when coaches are saying and doing things that at the end of the day really have nothing to do with making the team better. Um, however, you also said, you know, that the it emulates being at – the college level and I will say like it is they're they're having to live through things that are very difficult and I'm not condoning anybody living or like experiencing and putting themselves through an abusive situation that's truly abusive but there are going to be times where they're going to be surrounded by people that they don't have any control over and this is past college right so this is real life bosses can be a pain in the butt sometimes and you really just have to learn how to be around them and, and live your life. We can't constantly run from things that are in some way going to help you get better. Absolutely. You know, and I think a lot of times when we're in the moment in a situation, it feels very different than when we look back on it in six months. Mm -hmm. And like, hey, I grew if, through that. I got better. Like I'm I'm a better leader because of it. I'm a better athlete because of it. Things like that. Yeah. And when we're constantly running from things that make us uncomfortable or scare us, or at the end of the day, I guess we just don't want to be around. We're not building the evidence and the confidence that we need to get through a situation that's similar to that. Um, it, it's important for us to be put in those situations. And I will say also that some of these cases where there's this quote unquote abusive coach. And I, I don't want to make it seem like it's a mythical creature because they absolutely exist. And it's very unfortunate. It's also an opportunity for these athletes to advocate for themselves. I'm a huge, huge supporter of this. I often make my athletes advocate for themselves in a way that is obviously respectful. However, just because they are your coach, that doesn't mean that they don't, they they don't have to be held accountable to the way that they're speaking or acting. And sometimes I truly believe all coaches, for the most part, do what they do because they love being a coach. And I like to believe that most people just want to know how to support each other. And if an athlete is saying, hey, like, I know you're trying to help me, 
However, at the end of the day, it would be so much more helpful if you said X, Y, and Z, or if you were so, so clear about the feedback that I need to do instead of talking to the group in a passive aggressive way. Um, it's not disrespectful. And honestly, it's helping these kids, one, survive through this like this situation versus just being quiet, but also building these skills, these life skills that need to be tendered to. I mean, we don't want these kids to run away from things. And then as an adult, not be able to call out abusive behavior or hold people accountable. These are life skills. Absolutely. And so let's say an athlete is trying to go through the proper channels and they want to, you know, be respectful to that coach and do what's best for them and their team. How should that athlete approach their coach to have that meeting and have that conversation? What are things that they should be saying to keep it in a positive conversation and not getting into, I think sometimes when we feel uncomfortable, we get into that attack mode a little bit of like, you do this and you make me feel this way and you do this. And so how can we flip that script as these teenage athletes are trying to have this adult conversation with somebody? Yes. So definitely has to start with I statements. When you start with you, the other person's going to, they're going to shut down. I would be surprised if a person was very receptive to constantly hearing about you did this and you did that. Um, Because a lot of the times, A coach's job is to help the team. So if you can say, if you can bring it back to the team, you're winning. You found that common ground with that person you're trying to communicate with. That can be saying, you know, I want to learn how to get better at X, Y, and Z for the team. However, when this is happening, I feel blank. And you can always, it depends on the coach. You know, I, I would also say go in kind of prepared. I don't follow this verbatim because you're going to know the coach best. You've spent time with them. Some of them aren't necessarily response, uh, responsive to action, but you can say, I would prefer you do this, or can we talk more about how we can do X, Y, and Z, um, making it collaborative, finding that common ground and using I statements are always going to set them up for success. Now it might not happen the way they want it to happen, but again, they're getting that real life practice. Absolutely. And I think it makes you a better teammate as well. When you take those steps, instead of just complaining about things with your teammates, you can say, well, I tried this. It didn't necessarily work the way I wanted to, but we can still support each other the way we want to feel supported in our program. Like just because we're not getting that support from a coaching staff or from certain teammates, doesn't mean that I can't still work to create the culture I want to have this season. Yeah. And it's all about finding like your personal wins. You know, at the end of the day, some high school programs aren't ideal. However, that doesn't mean that it's not worth your time. I, as a coach, I would be concerned if my athlete didn't go and try to become better and use a growth mindset and use that situation to their advantage. I mean, it's very easy to sit back and kind of play the victim, but it's going to be harder to take action and find the positives in a situation, but you're better for it. Absolutely. And I'll put my college coach hat on for a second. I always called travel ball coaches and high school coaches about the athletes I was recruiting. The travel ball coach was more, how are they as a softball player? Can they play at a high level? Are they excelling in these big time tournaments that you're taking them to? Whereas the high school coach, it was more about what type of human are they? Because those coaches are most likely teachers. They're seeing those kids in the halls every day. They know what their grades look like. They know what the people they hang out with look like and their friend group that they're choosing. And there's so much more life experience that comes out of being a high school student, being a high school athlete, things like that, then comes out of travel ball sometimes. And if you go into college without those experiences, that transition gets so much harder. 
And that's where not playing high school softball, it's not a deal breaker, but it's definitely a red flag where a college coach is going to do some more research on you and try and figure out why you chose not to play. Mm -hmm. So we're talking a lot about athletes right now. So let's transition to parents a little bit. So as a parent, you see your kids struggling, you're encouraging them to have these meetings. What are things that parents can be doing to support their athletes through this situation without being that bulldozer parent that just takes care of everything for them? Oh, yeah, I would say take a back seat. Most of the time when a parent gets involved prematurely, it doesn't turn out well. So I would say take a back seat. At this point, we would hope that we have helped our athletes develop some life skills to be able to handle this situation. And again, it's going to take practice and it can be ugly, but these athletes are going through some of these experiences for the first time. So of course, they might not handle it the way that you want, aka a grown adult who's lived through many situations like this. It's going to be a little bit ugly and they might have to, it might take them more time, but they have to develop these skills. Um, I would say checking in, you know, those should be non-negotiable, checking in with your athlete to see how their mental health is, how their physical health is, how they're doing. A big thing that I love, most of these athletes don't like to ask for support. They just really don't. So one of the questions I love for coaches and for parents to ask is, how can I support you? What support do you need from me? I would stick with the open-ended questions because I know that sometimes um, I see it often that the athletes don't really divulge too much health practice. Oh, it was good. Ask them open-ended questions so they're forced to answer information. But other than that, I would try to, I mean, I would just trust them. Constantly using that verbiage too is really empowering. Like I trust you to, you know, make the best decision for you, the healthiest decision for you. I think it has to do with a lot of the empowering of the athlete. And it's, I'm not a parent, so I cannot imagine what it's like to watch your child experience these very difficult situations, but I would just try to pause. No helicopter parenting. So do you suggest, let's say an athlete wants to meet with a coach and have some of those conversations that we've been talking about. Do you suggest that the athlete goes to the coach on their own first and then the second meeting the parents come in or should the parents be there for that first meeting just kind of in the background for support? That's difficult, right? Because it's also, there's different parenting styles and what they're comfortable with. But I would say for sure that first meeting should be with the athlete themselves because it's the same way at any level, really. And at the end of the day, yes, they are children. Um, I don't want to negate that or, or make that seem like that they should be able to handle these situations. But again, them going through, through that situation is helping them for the better. So I would for sure say athlete first. I love that. You know, and even just having them learn how to ask those questions and learn how to use I statements and things like that, that might first meeting might not get a ton out of it. And you might need to have that second meeting still with the parents involved, but then you can kind of recap after the fact with your kid and say, okay, like what went well? What questions did you not get answered? What do we need to talk about? Maybe do you need to meet with them a second time? Like, let's see how long it it takes to see if some of the changes they said they were going to make or made things like that are going to grow young women into independent, confident adults. Anytime that any of my athletes have had a meeting with their coach, I make them write down 
their talking points or their questions. I'm going to be honest, they're probably going to blank a little bit. It's uncomfortable to sit down in a one-on-one -on -one situation with your superior in a sense. So I always make sure they feel equipped because that's also a part of confidence, right? So we want to make sure that they're able to look down at a piece of paper or a notebook if they lose track. And I would also put them because we want to respect our coach's time and any everybody's time, don't put down a bunch of questions, put them literally in order of the most important that needs to be answered to the least important. So you know that you started off with that most important question and you have the time to receive the answer or the resolution to that situation. So what would the next steps be? So let's say the athlete meets with the coach, they don't really get anywhere the athlete and the parents meet with the coach, what is that next step? Or do you suggest they just kind of work with their athlete to make the best of the situation moving forward? That's hard. I guess it depends. You know, it depends on the threshold. It depends on how bad the situation is. Is this a situation that the athlete can still grow in? Is that athlete doing their best to keep their mindset positive? There's a lot of things within our control. If a situation is so bad, I mean, I don't want to encourage anybody to be in a situation that is truly just wreaking havoc on their emotional mental health. But yeah, I would say if need be, you have to go through the the necessary chain of command also to create change. Not that every situation requires that. And I think it's important to sit down as a family and have those conversations of, have we done everything we can do to make this situation better? And have I grown into the teammate and the leader I need to be and things like that before we really take it next steps to athletic directors, principals, things like that. Cause I really compare bad coaches to bad bosses a lot. Like most people do not enjoy their first job out of college and it's a grind and you're not making a lot of money and you're in an entry level position. And that feels very similar to playing for a team where you don't feel valued or you're not getting the coaching you want and things like that. And I think that's a great life lesson for kids that go through it as hard as it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when we think about being out of college too, I mean, when I got out of college, I still felt like a kid. So it is very similar, you know, you still feel less equipped. So if they can do that, if they can try to make the situation the best that they possibly can, then again, it'll be a little bit easier when they have a college. So speaking of college athletes, so I love that you work with athletes of all ages because your perspective is so unique. So what are some of the things that your college athletes struggle with that high school athletes and parents can prepare for? A lot of stuff also that have nothing to do with athletics. And it's like, it's very interesting. Um, it's just a disorienting experience of being away from home, I would say. But I will say playing time. I think that's one of the things that gives these kids the most whiplash. I think when I, it's not obviously not every situation or every athlete, the ones that are well-informed probably expect maybe not to play, but it's a lot of, they romanticize the college experience and they think that they're going to be playing their freshman year. And when they're not, it just, which as adults, we can look and be like, oh my God, of course you're not playing. Like you're on a stacked team. You have X amount of like, players you have a bunch of seniors on the team like there's just like so many different uh circumstances but I would say playing time and the overall disorienting experience of being away from home in your comfort zone and having to make new friends and just do everything kind of on your own for a bit absolutely I had a conversation with one of our college freshmen a couple weeks ago and one of her comments was college softball isn't at all what I thought it was going to be and I kind of sat there for a second and I was like, well, 
how did you how did you know what it was going to be when you'd never done it before and i think mm -hmm. that's the hardest part is to go into it knowing that you're unprepared that you can yeah. work super hard and you can be really organized and there's still going to be that transition period there where you're going to struggle and mm -hmm. how do you get through that struggle and prioritize your self-care and have your schedule and do all those things you need to do to succeed yeah and i'll say too it's like when you romanticize and I, I say that because I, I know, like as a pitching coach, you see these 10 new pitchers and they're like, I'm going to go to Florida and go to college. And like, they dream about it. So they pick up all these things over the years of like what this is going to look like. And while, yes, it's an amazing experience being at college, it is a struggle in the beginning. Um, so I think that's part of the dreaming that doesn't happen. And they naturally go through like a little grieving period when it's not everything they dreamed over like decades that it was going to be. Absolutely. So how can high school athletes and parents and coaches prepare now for the mental grind that being a college athlete really is? Like, are there things that we can start to implement more into practices? Are there things that athletes and coaches and parents can be talking about more? Oh, I would say the external validation aspect of it for sure making sure that they're the holder of their confidence and their worth is going to be huge because playing time is dicey. So if you learn also how to play for yourself in high school, you're golden because there's this experience when you get to college and you're like, holy crap, what am I playing for? Because you've been playing for college your whole life. So if you can learn how to play for yourself and play against yourself where you're at and not play for college, you're better for it when you get to college because that's that disorienting experience of like, wait, where am I? Like, what am I even playing for? They have to find their source of motivation because that motivation is no longer college because they're in college. So they have achieved that. So finding that internal motivation is huge. I would say, again, finding your system cannot emphasize enough. You do not want to get to college and then realize you have no system and then try to implement it during a new schedule, right? Cause they're learning their classes are on like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, and they're not used to that schedule. So now they're trying to build a system in a new situation, a new place, a new environment. It's just, it's a lot. So I would say start building that system now and owning your system. I know a lot of families have like a calendar. It's amazing, but I still want the athletes to have their own system that they're responsible for. I would say for sure. Absolutely. Because that family calendar is not going to college with them. It is surely not. It's still going to be sitting on the refrigerator um, on the dry erase board that mom can't send you a picture of that every week. Sorry. <laughs> for sure. I can think of like getting to college and scheduling my own doctor's appointments and figuring out Scary. my life and even figuring out like I started my college experience on, on Long Island and figuring out when I had to leave to get home to not hit the crazy traffic. Oh my like God, yeah. Navigating all of that on my crazy. own. Yeah, Jersey traffic, exactly. Yeah. Navigating all that on my own for the first time was just crazy at 18 years old. And, you know, mm -hmm. I felt like I was very prepared going into college. I was super organized. I was very scheduled. And I was like, this is, this is not my cup of tea right now. Like, let's figure mm -hmm. this out. Um, yeah, they need to be doing their laundry too, because it'll take one time for them to throw something red in with their whites and it'll change their life forever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So to kind of wrap up a little bit, I 
absolutely love what you do, of course. So Sarah actually works with all of the athletes in our college planning program. She comes in every other month and talks about, you know, mental health and self-care. We talk about scheduling. We talk about some of these situations dealing with not ideal teams and coaches and just really preparing our athletes for life. And I just want more people to know you exist and know the amazing work that you do. So where can we find you? Tell us a little bit more about what you do. Sure, sure. So I, like you said, I work with athletes either on a one-on-one -on -one basis or with a team or organization such as yours with 10 U babes all the way up to the college level. Truly, it is my favorite thing ever. I'm really blessed to be able to do what I'm passionate about. Um, but really, it depends, you know, it's, it's very personalized, because again, we are all so very different, but I often work with them in a 12 week program. And it's, it's a lot of hard work. But again, the athletes I work with, and the athletes that come to me are not immune to, uh, are not resistant to hard work. I'm like smiling right now, because it's, it's my favorite, you know, I meet with kids, and I like cry about how much they've grown. And then I meet with other kids, and they're, they're just, they seem so alone. And I'm like, I can't wait to tell you how many other people experience this. And I can't wait to help you through it. But yeah, so finding me on social at Elevation and Success, both on Facebook and Instagram and on TikTok. And then my website is just Elevation and, and ElevationandSuccess.com. Awesome. And we will drop that in the show notes for all of you guys as well. And Sarah's an awesome person, even just to follow and steal some of her ideas. She does a great job of getting, giving a ton of free resources for you all. Um, Cause I think we live in the same world of wanting to make softball and athletics in general, just a really enjoyable experience for kids mm -hmm. while still helping them reach their goals, which is absolutely fantastic to have people who are doing the same thing in my circle. Yeah, of course. I'm so blessed to have found you. Yeah. So awesome. Well, thank you for being here with us today and I will chat with you soon. Of course.